0: Hey, hey, what's good, everybody? It is Shalane here with Hey, Did You Know? And today's episode is actually a very special one. Tomorrow, June 9th, is when George Floyd will be put to rest. Exactly one week prior to his burial, there has been a lot of demonstrations, there has been a lot of protests, rioting, looting, and the the activities just didn't happen around here. It actually happened around the world. I mean, if you've been looking on the news, you can see how there's like thousands and thousands of people out there who are just sick and tired of being sick and tired. So, but before I go on, I just want to say thank you to everyone who's been listening to Hey Did You Know. I can be found on Twitter under FOY, F-O-Y, 1966. I can be found on Instagram at Hey, Did You Know? And on Facebook, again, I could be found under my Facebook page, my journalist page, which, which is Shalane Demarest. So on to the show. So what I have today, I have a special guest. Her name is Cheyenne Sweet. Cheyenne Sweet um, first of all, she is a woman. She's a mother. She's a scholar. She is a model. She is a social worker. She is someone who found her voice rather late in life, but you know the old saying, better late than never, correct? So it was an honor and a pleasure to be able to bring this woman onto the show today. So without further ado, here is Ms. Cheyenne Sweet. Oh, hello, everybody. So this is Shalane, and today I actually have a really good friend of mine. I'm excited to have her on the show today. Her name is Cheyenne Sweet. Cheyenne is someone is, is someone who I met, actually, during one of our photo shoots a, a while ago. Um, she was this bad, mamma jam, motorcycle chick, and I was a little intimidated. I, I'm, I'm not going to lie at first, but once I got to know her, I saw that her heart was just... Just, you know, pure as gold. And I wanted to make a point to bring her on the show so we can talk about this touchy subject. Cheyenne, thank you so much for coming. How are you? I'm well, thank you. I'm a little bit,
1: um, you know, it's been a rough uh, time with the COVID-19 and now also with the civic issues that we're dealing with, you know. um, I've spent a lot
0: of time weeping and angry. Tell me, uh, I mean, I kind of gave a little bit of an introduction, but tell me a little bit about you.
1: Um, Well, I'll try to be brief, but it's not easy for me to do that. So um, I was raised in a military family, have done a lot of different things over the years. Most important to me was in my 40s, I went back to college and I got uh, my degree in psychology and became a social worker. Oh, you. um, So I was a social worker for about twelve years, um, and I worked in children and families, and also um, with victims of domestic violence or survivors of domestic violence. Okay. Uh, And then retired again, (laughs) and became a yoga teacher, and then apparently retired again from that, and became an actor, which is how you and I met.
0: Right. Mm -hmm. So uh,
1: I had no idea you were intimidated. I think that's funny because I'm pretty.
0: Well, you come pull it up on this Harley, you know, and Harleys are like if for anyone who have absolutely no idea what a Harley Davidson is, this is like to me like the top echelon of motorcycles, and oh, it it's, is. Just, it's yeah. like all chromed out, shiny, and and she's come, she has her own little leather jacket and stuff. She was just total badass. Wow. Um, <laughs> That's so. So tell me, because I didn't know that you were a social worker, so that probably explains a lot um, about what I see. I mean, your posts and just you in general, I mean, it's such a pure heart. Um, tell me about what, you know, what, what are your thoughts about what's happening today, particularly about, you know, the racism and the injustice that's happening? Um, I
1: have strong feel like I have two hot buttons Uh, in terms of what really makes me feel outraged. And one of them is racism and hatred. Mm -hmm. And the other is what I call domestic terrorism. Mm. So terrorism in the home right? by whomever. You know, it's not always the man, it's not always the husband. But so those are my two hot buttons. And um, it hurts my heart what instigated this current a series of events that we've been seeing the last few weeks but also it's time for a change and people have you know people especially black people in this country have tried over every single incident over all in my years every single time tried to do it the way that we're taught to do to taught to make change let's vote let's be peaceful let's ask politely And they're not being heard. And I got to tell you, I'm not even black. And I'm angry that we're not being heard. Mm -hmm. I I also am outraged that you're not being heard. And at some point, like in any situation, when you're not being heard, that's going to escalate. Right. Um so I I get it, man. Like I know how it feels even as a child. Like I said my dad was a military officer. You don't get heard in that household. No. <laughs> and you don't. No no no. You don't have a voice. And so I remember as a child even saying, like I remember this back to the age of 5 or 6, thinking when I am a grown up, I am not going to do this to other people. I if they, you know, I didn't articulate it that way, but if If other people have something to say, they have a right. They have a right to know what's going on in their lives, and they have a right to be heard. They have a right to be informed. And um, even as a little kid, I just so distinctly remember having those thoughts. So the flip side is all of, so that, so I definitely feel the outrage and the pain and the anger and the sadness. The flip side of that is hallelujah. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what? Because mm-hmm. the loudness is what's going to make a change. The yeah. difference that I see this time is that now that, um, you know, the first two weeks or the first 10 days of, you know, the criminals coming out and taking advantage of um, what should be uh, a peaceful situation. You know, those aren't the protesters so much as those are criminals coming out and taking advantage of a situation to commit a crime that's what that is. So now that lots of that has been uh, curtailed, I hope the protests are actually becoming larger. They are. Like more people, like do you know how different that is from what usually happens? Mm-hmm. Usually happens we make a bunch of noise for like a week or whatever and then blip it goes off the radar screen and nothing really nothing substantial happens. Nothing substantial changes. And I think something substantial is going to change. And I hope it starts this minute with whoever may be listening to you today. And I hope it carries through the November election and through into perpetuity. <laughs> so those are my feel like it needs to change, man. I mean, seriously, like
0: I don't know how many times we have to say it. hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, just looking because I know the first thing I do in the morning, I know I shouldn't. Well, actually, it's the second thing you know, the first thing I read my devotional stuff. But what I do as far as social media is I go to Twitter and I look to see what's trending and what's looking. And this whole thing is like, I see this is this is not just within our country. I'm seeing countries like Paris, where there's like thousands and thousands in the street and they're all marching and they're, and they're demonstrating peacefully. I mean, the world, like you, like you said, is tired. There, there needs to be a change. Everyone wants some sort of, uh, just, uh, a different outcome. It's time for a change when, okay. So George Floyd, the death, you know, comes out on the news and the media stuff like that. Um, where were you when you actually first heard about the death of George Floyd? What were you doing? Um, I was, in the morning,
1: (laughs) I don't get regular TV. I don't get the news. I don't get, I just, it's just, to me, it's just talking heads. If I want to watch something, that's different. But I don't have regular TV. So I get my news from, uh, you know, credible resources on the internet. And that's what I do first thing in the morning. I did not see it on the news, surprisingly. Mm -hmm. I saw it someone on Facebook posted the video and I didn't know what it was. Mm -hmm. So I watched it. And I, I think probably like anyone with any sort of soul, I, it just, I started crying. And I remember saying, Oh my God, not again, not again. Mm -hmm. You know, just, just thinking about that video. It's just, it's so horrific. And the, Cop that was on top of Mr. Floyd looks pretty proud of himself, you know. And then there's other officers standing around like this is totally okay. So there were so many opportunities for someone not a civilian,
0: someone in uniform, to stop that, and they didn't. I mean, the fact that the officer had his hands in his pocket, just like yeah, it was nothing, and all of his weight was on his neck,
1: all of it. Yeah, right. You can see it, and you can see it in his face. He feels he feels super powerful about that. Like he's getting some kind of a personal satisfaction out of that. I don't think he cared if he killed the guy or not.
0: Yeah. Now this may seem, you know, odd to ask, but I would like to know why did it bother you so much seeing the video? Because
1: first of all, because Mr. Floyd was suffering and suffering in any form is painful to see mm-hmm. because, and then, because I didn't know the guy was going to die. You know what I mean? I was like, Oh, here we, you know, another, like when you're watching the video, you don't know what's for the first time and you haven't been informed about it. You don't know what the outcome is. Mm-hmm. So at first it was like, oh my God, you know, this guy is suffering and this is terrible. This cop doesn't seem to give a shit no matter how many people are, you know, on and on like that. And then when I realized what transpired, I, my thought was, oh my God, not again, not again. Like, like how, what is it? You know, I just don't, there it's, it's, it's impossible to articulate how I felt to be honest with you, because there was so much Mm -hmm. like, It's almost, I I didn't, I don't ever, ever, ever want to get to the point where I think, oh, shit, here we go again, you know, and then not do or say anything. Yeah. You know, I don't ever want to normalize that. That's what I'm trying to say. I don't ever Mm -hmm. want something like that to be so normal in our society and in our world that we just chalk it up to another black dude that gets killed by a cop.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I think because it was in such a, small time frame because to back it up we had um and and I forgive me if I'm saying her name wrong Breonna Taylor the young woman who was shot in her apartment and then we had Ahmaud Aubrey, and now George Floyd so it was like within a really short time frame it was you know to me it was just like okay this is ridiculous it's like what Within a week, two weeks? Within a week, I think you're
1: right. And I agree. I think that was also part of my, part of that. it was the escalation of the pain that mm-hmm. we were feeling for someone else. So I remember being on the phone with my daughter the day before. My daughter and her family live in Dubai. Okay. And they do not have access to the news that we have. Mm-hmm. So I had, I tell her about these things. And we had been talking about the incident in um, Georgia where the, I'm going to be nice about this and say the men got in their truck Mm -hmm. and literally chased down a black man who was jogging in his neighborhood and then accused him of grabbing a shotgun out of suppose like and so originally I don't know I assume you're aware of this originally that was uh, classified as self defense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I saw that.
1: Guys, like, I don't know about you, but I don't know a black man that would grab a shotgun out of a redneck's hand with three of the rednecks nearby. Oh, I just oh, never, so. ever, ever see that happening. You know oh, what I mean? God. Like there's not a black man on earth that's going to do that. So no. my daughter and I were discussing this and, and saying, you know, this is never going to end. You know, it just seems to keep going on and on. So then when Mr. Floyd was killed, that just seemed like the straw that broke the camel's back. I think, mm-hmm. just emotionally and and in terms of strategy to become more involved, for me anyway.
0: Now, I wanted to know, as a white woman, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I, you know, are are you white or is there a different ethnicity that? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm trying to be polite. Okay. You, you know Don't what I'm saying? Apologize!
1: Don't you dare apologize for that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay. um, you'd be
1: you might be surprised how how often I get that question. So the answer to your question is I was raised as a privileged white woman. Okay. All right. Ethnically, my dad is definitely white. Uh My mom is from the mountains of North Carolina and was raised in a children's home. As far back as I can determine, it is mostly white with Indian. OK,
0: I can see. I can see that.
1: But when you're from the mountains in North Carolina, who knows, you know?
0: <laughs> Just
1: really, there were so many people that went through that area of uh-huh. the apple that it's you know, so technically, you know, I have to confess that I'm a privileged white woman. Okay, so
0: as a white woman, what questions would you have for people of color that you would want to ask? And I asked this because I posted a uh, video from a man by the name of Emmanuel. I hope I don't ruin his name. It looked like Echo Acho, but it was a video of him because he's he's an African American male and he is an athlete of some sort because he looks very, you know, very buff and very in shape. And he, you know, he made a video for. People, white people are, are non-black allies, if you will. If, you, if there was a question that you wanted to ask, but were too afraid to ask, you know, what would you want to know? As a white woman, what would you want to know about what's happening right now as far as how to help or what, what could you say or what is it you want to know? I mean, if there's anything, because right now I think everyone is so afraid to ask anybody anything, the tension is so high. I just feel like people are afraid to talk to each other. And I wanted to use this opportunity and with you being who you are to kind of like get the conversation started. Hmm.
1: I think that's a amazing question. <laughs> um, and if for a moment, if I may, I'd like to revert to when I was a social worker. Yes. So when I was a social worker, Um, working in children and families, you know, abuse is no respecter of color or socioeconomic status or religion. Abuse happens across the spectrum. Mm -hmm. And each family is treated differently based on what their voice and needs are. So for me personally, I would simply ask the question, what is it that you want me to know? Like, what would, what do you want to say to me? Because I think every person's answer to whatever question I might put out there is going to be approached differently. And it may not be the question that they need, that they want to answer. That it may not be the question that they need to hear whoever I'm speaking with. So like, I think it's time for a whole bunch of us to just shut up and listen. People have a right to be heard and and black people and other people of color and marginalized marginalized individuals are not being heard. Mm-hmm. So, rather than I, I can't come up with it's not that I can't come up with questions. I can, but are they the questions that uh, address the issues that people that I'm asking that people of color mm-hmm. want to address? So right. that that's an answer that's not an answer. I'm sorry, but it's no, the no, truth. It's, it's okay. Yeah.
0: So maybe to to phrase it a little differently, because I watched something over the weekend on Netflix that I thought was a really good. It was I thought it was a good uh, point to bring up during this interview, and that is: um, is there such a thing as white privilege? I mean, you kind of you know you kind of commented on it, but I really want to know, in your particular perspective, is there such a thing as white pri- privilege?
1: Yeah. I don't even know who asked that
0: question. Of course there is.
1: Mm -hmm. I can, I mean, yes, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Shine. There is such thing as white privilege and I'm not trying to make light of it. I'm just like, if somebody genuinely thinks there's not, then they haven't walked in the world lately. Right. You know, like I've been, I've seen it. Can I tell you just one little thing? Yes, please. Yeah. So one of my friends and I went, uh, this happened a few years ago, but she and I went to lunch at a place in Sanford. It was like a normal like just a plain old lunch, two girls going out to lunch. Uh-huh. and this, this uh, friend happens to be black. Uh-huh. The person who waited on us, the proprietor who brought us in like a you know, greeted us at the door, didn't speak to her. Mm. They spoke to me except to say. Like, what do you want? Or what can I get for you? Or whatever it was that they were writing down for her menu item. So they were much more accommodating to me than they were to her. Hmm. Now, when I try to stand back and look at that, I'm like, I happen to know this is a woman of integrity. She, uh, you know, she's older than me. I have a great deal of respect and love for her. There is no reason in the world anybody should treat her. In fact, if anything, it's my opinion, you want to treat somebody better, you should treat her better because she's a way better person than I am. So, so, so I think that right there is an example of white privilege. I can, I can go into a restaurant or a store or knock on someone's door and, and, you know, in a moment of trouble and, and be much less likely to be seen as a threat than a person, a person
0: of any color. So with, with that being said, how do you think whether, I mean, and I mean this, we, we've tossed the phrase white privilege around like, you know, but I mean, how do you think, how do you think that you could help with the cause? How do you think that you can help, you know, turn things around? How would Perfect. you be able to like to, to someone else who, who doesn't, who doesn't seem to think that this is a big deal? I think
1: uh, I would have two answers to that. One is anytime I have a platform to do that, you can believe that I'm going to do it. And whether and I don't know, like for example, when you invited me onto the onto the show, I was like, "Dang right, <laughs> you know it was." not oh my God, I'm going to be nervous. It was like, "Yeah, man, voices have to be heard." Yeah. In my personal life. I I think when we stand our ground and try to educate other people without getting into a a shouting match, you know, being louder does not make you right. Yeah. So I think that if you if we are if I am with someone that I can engage in a dialogue with and explain because some people really and truly don't get it, like because they're so separated from from there are still people who have no people of color in their lives at all. So, if there's a way that I can that I can transmit that to people in a civil manner, um, I really want to be able to do that in an articulate, like civil manner. Look, man, this is you know these are examples that I can give you of where you know we have white privilege. Mm-hmm. There also comes a point, as I said uh, briefly on on uh, on Facebook today, when you and I were a little bit back and forth. Um, there are some people that just are never going to hear it. Right. There are some that you just go, you know what, I, I, there is no hope for this individual to change or learn at least apparently not through me. Mm -hmm. So, like I said, in the post, you know, the mind, like the umbrella works best when open, I would love to tell you, I made that up, but I did not. Um, And so there are, there are people that I just, you know, I just go, okay, you're gonna, you do you, man, you know, but I'm gonna be over here. Uh, trying to ease suffering. That's, uh, that's, that's where I'm going to be.
0: Right. Well, I think we covered everything. I mean, this has been a really good conversation and I'm hoping that this particular episode will be the catalyst for other conversations to come because we need to have the talk. And I think we just need to like, stop being afraid and just come out with it. And I think that's the reason why I like you so much because Cause, you know, you keep it real. I mean, you know how people like say, man, she keeps it real, 100% real, keep it 100 and everything else. Well, you keep it 100. And I, and I think it's because we both come from military background. And I think, you know, we're, we're, some people call it, you're so, you're mean. And you're just so, no, yeah. I'm, You're intimidating. We call it candor. (laughs) Candor and and assertiveness. you know, that's what it
1: is. (laughs) Right. And once I found my voice, I realized I was, it was late in life before I really found my voice. I realized that, you know, wow, man, I have a voice and I can use it. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I did. Um, If I can, before we shut down, I would like to make one more brief comment. Of course. If I may, I'll try to keep it brief. Again, I was a social worker. This, what, this is important to me. This, well, all of it is, but this is particularly important. Mm-hmm. Um, in the last couple of days, there's been um, rhetoric from the administration that there is no such thing as systemic racism, that the problem does not lie within the system. Mm, come on now. Let me just tell you, that's bullshit. Right? <laughs> so. As a, as a caseworker, I go into people's homes who have been, uh, I don't go in and do the investigation. My job was to go in after, a case, after an investigation had already been done, and they are in the system because their child or children have been abused, neglected, or abandoned. Mm-hmm. So these are not like uh, isolated incidents. This is like long-term stuff that's been going on in the home, okay? Mm-hmm. I can get on a big old soapbox about this, but I'll try to stay, I'll try to keep it simple. In terms of systemic racism, in case plan meetings, you can tell the difference in the way people approach, like two mothers, one is, one is black, one is white. They're going to give a, a lot more latitude to the white lady. Mm-hmm. They're going to, like I remember someone saying to me about one of my black moms, you know, it sounds like you like her. And I said, I do like her. I think she's very smart. I think she's super capable. I said, I think if we can get her out of the projects, you know, we're going to have a successful family on our hands. Mm -hmm. But never did anybody say that to me about any of my white moms. And I'm just using moms now, even though it's often, you know, it could be any number of different family members. Mm -hmm. You also see it in court. So you want an eye-opening experience when the COVID-19 is gone, go down to the, to the Uh, dependency court and watch the difference in the way that judges treat black families and the way that they treat white
0: families. Mm.
1: It's astonishing.
0: Yeah. it's um, Unfortunately, I have to agree with you there. That's awful.
1: And I can tell you that uh, it used to piss me off so bad. And I was like, you know what? I'm an officer of the court. I'm an officer of the court. My job is to speak up when I when I think that I'm seeing something wrong, whether it's in the family or in the system or what the prosecutor is saying or whatever. So um, that was I became quite vocal. Let's just put it that way.
0: <laughs> no, that's good, and that's actually my segue for ending this segment. Is the fact that that's a big reason why I had you on the show because I want you know people like you and others that I know that are vocal to use your voice because There's you're right. Your voice we are not being heard you know we we've tried several different ways to have ourselves heard but none you know as nicely as possible without making too much noise or without you know making too many ways we try to do it that way And, and i'm not advocating violence by by any means but now all of a sudden you know i'm seeing well I don't understand why they just didn't say anything. Like we have been saying, you just don't want to listen. So my, Gosh. my plea is that people such as yourselves and others like you will use your voice so we can finally be heard. So all this will finally, you know, turn around because we can't, Amazing.
1: yeah, we can't last com- Last comment. Mm -hmm. If you don't know what to say, if you're feeling it and you don't know what to say or how to use your voice, that is what I would ask a black person. What should I be saying? There you go. (laughs) Yep. How brilliant was that?
0: (laughs) Hey, I love you, girl. So um, if someone wanted to get in contact with you because they, you know because there's probably going to be other women like me that's going to think you're awesome and they're going to want to connect and you are an actress. So it's like, you know, for your social media, how can people get in contact with you?
1: The social media that I am on the most is Facebook. I tried Instagram and I don't know if I'm old or lazy or a little bit of both. Uh, I, um, i uh, I just don't I'm just not good with it so I would say that Facebook and if one looks up Cheyenne sweet and that's Cheyenne with an A, C-H-E-Y-A-N-N-E, sweet like in sugar mm-hmm. you're gonna find me easily and and I can be uh, I can be reached there yeah that's your actors' page right you have an actor yes. yes that's my actors' page my my personal page is private for personal private reasons, (laughs) but
0: I can still be reached through. Like I can get messages through the actor's page. All right. That's good. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. I know it's kind of challenging to talk about this and stay like controlled because emotionally, I mean, this is like, it's eating at me, but I'm like, this is therapeutic for me to talk about it and talk about it with like-minded people and to talk about it with like-minded people of other color and races. So thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Thank
1: you for inviting me. I feel exactly the same way. And it's good for us to articulate our feelings about anything because that's really a catharsis. And that's a, uh, it's a bridge to understanding and a bridge to compassion and a bridge to change and all those things. So without, you know, that's the best tool we have is our voice. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So so thank you for inviting me. I was honored and flattered and it made me cry, but you know, I've been crying pretty much every day for the last two weeks. So you need both (laughs) girls.
0: Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. My pleasure. All right, right, folks, again, Cheyenne, thank you so much for being on the show. It was a pleasure. For those who would like to learn more about Cheyenne, as we mentioned earlier, she has an actress page on Facebook. It's Cheyenne Sweet. That is C-H-E-Y-A-N-N-E. And the last name is Sweet, S-W-E-E-T. So I hope you enjoyed today's special episode of relations and race and just making a difference today finding our voice and taking the opportunity to talk to one another instead of at each other, okay? So again, as I said earlier, I can be found on Instagram at HeyDidYouKnow and on Facebook and Twitter, you can find me under um, Shalane Demarest and on Twitter, it is Foy, F-O-Y, 1966. Until next time, thank you so much for listening and I will get back with you soon. Take care now. Bye-bye.